you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Around the League Podcast. Trust sources with knowledge of the situation. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Chris Wessling, Mark Sessler, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Happy Friday. You guys recovering yeah. from the, the downfall of the Eagles offense. I know, Mark, you know, it's got to be tough, especially for you. Well, you know, I've got a, a great <laughs> PR guy in Dan Hansis that <laughs> pulls one nugget out as the game's starting, telling his, you know, 7,000 followers on Twitter that uh, I had predicted 5,500. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Saying that I said they dropped 55 points. I said it. I felt that way. I was wrong. And uh, Deshaun Jackson now only has 13 games left to break 300 yards multiple times. Just want to <laughs> point that out. And also, I don't want to I don't want to pile on, but the whole theory about Chip Kelly riding on a spaceship while everyone else is on horses, that might also be a premature statement by Mark. We, I, you know, I think with this team, though, we're going to we're going to seesaw like overly positive and now we're going a little overly negative. Yeah, I don't I actually I'm not, I'm not I didn't say that to to bury you, Mark. I, I thought it was interesting you made that prediction, and I didn't think they were going to lay an egg like they did yesterday. I know Wes was thinking the Chiefs' defense really had a good chance to shut them down, and they did. But I, to me, that was the biggest takeaway of Thursday night, which was, you know, we all thought, what happened to the Revolution? What what happened to the Eagles? I thought that uh, it was about the Chiefs' defense myself, but I know from the collective wisdom of all the sports writers on Twitter that, in fact, it's because the NFL has already figured Chip Kelly out after <laughs> the first half of the Chiefs game, and this offense of the Eagles will do nothing the rest of the year because Chip Kelly needs to go back to New Hampshire. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> joking with Mark. I think we do get a little carried away. I, I would take that, that bet about uh, Deshaun Jackson breaking 300 yards a couple of times or even once. But just because they had a bad game, I mean, look, they were still in that game, even though they turned the ball over five times and they still had some explosive plays. To me, it went back to something we talked about on Wednesday. Can Michael Vick be a 
great, consistent quarterback like he was in that Chargers game for the most part for 16 games because he hasn't done that a lot in his career. Well, that's also what I was thinking was, you know, uh, Andy Reid went home to Philadelphia and he got his big win and he has his quarterback that doesn't make mistakes and has a good defense and he's winning again. And Chip Kelly, now he, he tied himself to Michael Vick. Vick did not look good yesterday at all. And I, I wonder if, A, if Vick is really ultimately the quarterback where it's always going to be a deal with the devil with him, where he has all these skills, but he's always a guy that's going to bring you down in the end. And then I also think, you know, McNabb, you see him walking on the field at halftime. I think about him. Like, maybe he's even a little, looking back, a little underrated. Him and, him and Reed were a good team. And now you have Vic with Chip Kelly. Vic brought down Andy Reid. Now Vic is going to bring down Chip Kelly. No, hold, hold no. on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Number one, I, I just I think that Kelly actually. I'm out of here. He's done a nice job in the sense that he inherited almost all these players outside of a few that they picked up that he felt were real fits. Michael Vic is probably one of the better fits you're going to find in the league among maybe five or six quarterbacks that I think would really, really position themselves well in that offense. But. Vic is Vic, and that's the problem. We saw, we've seen the good side in the first couple of games outside of some missed targets. He was pretty good against the Chargers, I thought. That was possibly the best passing game I've seen from him since that Monday night blitz against the Redskins um, three years ago or four years ago. And he was good good in week one overall, too. But he's going to give you this game. But that's what I mean. Like, ultimately, isn't that the thing with Vic? He's never going to just be... Throw out that one 2010 season where he put it all together, but isn't he always going to be this guy? Do you see some of the footwork yesterday, some of those throws into coverage? I mean, he's going to kill them. But to say that Kelly has tied himself to Vic, they can get out of the the renewed Vic contract with ease, and they'll find someone new. Kelly's going to be handcuffed to Manziel next year, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) think so? Yes. This is a scheme team, and Vic didn't make good decisions in terms of his reads last night, and they're counting on the scheme to get guys open. There aren't a lot of secondaries like the Kansas City Chiefs that can put three or four guys, including a couple of safeties that can cover, and just match you up one-on-one. I think that game really pointed out that Riley Cooper's got to be one of the worst number two wide receivers in the NFL. We heard a lot about how these tight ends were going to be a big factor. They haven't been able to scheme anything for these guys the last couple games, so they don't have many guys that can get open one-on-one. And so if you have a great secondary, maybe you can shut them down, but how many secondaries are there like the Chiefs? They miss Macklin. They do a lot. They definitely do. And let's give the Chiefs some credit. None of us picked them. I mean, they weren't big underdogs in that game. We talked about how great their defense is and that they're legit, but we didn't. We thought that they, the Eagles' offense would be too much for them. Well, that's funny. I mean, are the Chiefs the real deal? Is this a double-digit win team, in your guys' opinion? Is, have they gotten over the hump here? Greg and I talked about this this morning when he came into the newsroom. That We both picked them to win the division, but they look to me... Well, we picked them to the playoffs. To the playoffs, right. We, uh, they're going to get to the playoffs on one of these 9-7, and 10-6 seasons where they play this efficient style of ball. They obviously have strengths, especially on defense, but I see them just getting wiped away in a flood <laughs> against a high-scoring team in the playoffs. Something's going to go wrong at some point. Right. There's only two things I don't like about the Chiefs. Their quarterback and the number one overall draft pick. Yeah, he was Those brutal. are big things. Yeah. It, it's amazing that story has not been talked about. Now, now maybe a little bit, but I got into work this morning. We're on the West Coast, so I figured there'd be some Eric Fisher stories flowing out there. There was nothing. I, I wrote it up. He gave up five pressures, two holds, two sacks. He is the 68th ranked pro football focus tackle. I know they're not uh, perfect, but the, the, third, the second to last right tackle in the league 
right behind Mark's boy, Mitchell Schwartz. Well, I, I spent like three drives <laughs> watching just him because I do think on Twitter it started to bubble up the Fishers. You know, he's chaos last night. And it's I'm not the uh, the world's greatest grader of offensive line talent. I, <laughs> I disagree. Not. Well, thank I you, disagree. Dan. But I'm not going to too. I know. What I saw though is just a, he seemed to not follow through. He he hit a guy initially and stand around, and people were just circling around him. And, and for me, the better linemen are guys that just they're at it long after the play ends. They're pushing well, guys out of the here's way. Here's my question. He obviously was a left tackle in college. Probably a left tackle or something like that in high school. I mean, how how much do you put into the fact where this guy actually is learning a new position? Maybe he gets a little rope for that. I don't want to downplay that, but I feel like there are plenty of guys that make that change seamlessly. Right, and Luke, that's the Luke easier Joko's of the two switches. making it right now, and he's struggling a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he's too. struggling. So these two picks who are supposed to be a little safer are struggling earlier in the year, and that's a that's a huge story for the Chiefs long term. And also, Alex Smith, Wes, you brought it up. I mean. Th- he was very tentative in general yesterday, and the he, only thing that kept him out of the Gabbert zone was that the Eagles can't defend a crossing yeah. route to save their lives. <laughs> Donnie Avery, <laughs> Donnie yeah. Avery got most of his yards after the catch. I don't. It wasn't because Alex Smith was challenging them down the field. And I don't remember. You know, I asked West while we were watching the game last night. I was curious: was this the Alex Smith that? was with the 49ers before Jim Harbaugh. Was he always this tentative and so willing to take the ball down and take the three-yard gain and get out of bounds or slide down? Because this guy, is he's pretty tough to watch. and he, I wouldn't be surprised. I feel like that's conjuring some memories of pre-Harbaugh Smith, which obviously is a very bad sign. I mean, I think you're, that tight end group for Kansas City, they had injuries, they're paper thin. You're missing a Vernon Davis in there. You're missing what was a Crabtree, but yeah, I mean Smith is sort of Smith. In my well, opinion. he's also missing Dwayne Bow, who actually is, went missing. <laughs> they actually, <laughs> You're right. They changed it. It was a search mission. Now, now it's a recovery. Well, Alex just, Smith just is, recovery. Before Harbaugh, he was turnover prone. He took chances. Uh, I think he's had it drilled into him now by two great coaching staffs that you're never going to win because you're not the kind of player that can do that. <laughs> but he, it's smart. They're, they're yeah, coaching him up well, and they're winning games. And this is – Alex Smith is the best evidence for that win losses is so overrated to evaluate a quarterback. Alex Smith has the highest winning percentage of any quarterback with 20 starts in the last three years. Alex Smith is number one. One person who should not, um, when it comes to wins and losses, should be properly evaluated. Andy Pettit. Put him in the hall. <laughs> Sorry. I'll vouch for you on that one. Okay. Hey. I'll take your word on it. I don't... I'm, I'm going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> does, anybody, uh, does anybody have any other comments on this game before we move on to the rest of the Week 3 schedule? Let's get to the previews. All right. This is exciting. This is, this is my favorite point of the week. Now we're going to dig into Sunday. Um, I wouldn't say... Greg, would you say this is... A, a much lesser schedule than week two? There aren't the headline games, but there are a lot of toss-up interesting games. I, we had, I know I had a really tough time picking the games this week. I don't know if you guys agree with I that. I would agree with that. Well, coming off my 14 and 2, it's, it's all, everything's so easy. It's almost like slow motion to me right now. No one, no one has ever crowed more about being in fourth place out of five in, in the picks. That's where Dan Top is right now. Top 80 percentile. Um, okay, so let's go through the schedule. Uh, let's start. Let's start with the four, I guess, I don't know, the high, highest, profi- pro- highest profile games. And, Wes, I want you to get things going. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts, who have a, a new player that we need to get to, Greg uh, and Mark Sessler, uh, going into San Francisco to face the 49ers. Well, we had quite a bit of feedback on Twitter that we should have had a special podcast for Trent Richardson. 
we'll talk about him now. Um, <laughs> I I called it a heist that uh, Ryan Grigson pulled off. They get Trent Richardson after the Browns paid his thirteen point three. Three four million dollar signing bonus, so they're basically paying Richardson an average of two million dollars the next three years. They get the number three overall pick to pair with the number one overall pick from last year's draft. And Grigson said he he watched all of Richardson's film. Grigson, a former scout, said passes the eye test, thinks he's still a special talent. And I I agree. Like I went last year when I was watching games, I would like week five he plays the Giants. And I saw a difference maker, like a special talent. And then the next week, fractures his ribs, says he had to sleep up, upright at night. It was so painful. I think he became a different back, more tentative, probably wasn't explosive. Sleepier back, I'm sure, too. Yes. And then week one this year, I thought he looked great in the first quarter, the first quarter and a half against the Dolphins. Browns go away from the run, and they haven't had an open hole to run through since then. I think we're talking about a a, guy, a back. Uh, his... Early, first 17 games are almost identical to Ladanian Tomlinson, Emmett Smith, and Ricky Williams. Now, there are some bad backs that they're, they're identical to, but he's also got the pedigree of the number three overall pick, was called, coming out of the draft, the most complete player in the draft and the best running back since Adrian Peterson. I think that goes a long way. Two points I had. Number one, I love Jim Irsay so much. His his tweet before the his tweets before the trade went down were epic. Uh, and he's last time he teased on Twitter something big was happened happening. Darius Hayward Bay signed with the Colts, so people really weren't buying in. And then all of a sudden, you, I think it was Adam Schefter at ESPN drops the bomb that it's Richardson. So the first thing was, well, that was fun. And then the second thing was, oh my God, Mark, who just left. <laughs> It's like when you real in a movie when someone realizes, oh my god, the person's in great danger, or, or are they okay? <laughs> I called Mark, and uh, Mark didn't believe me. Our phone call got cut off, and then Greg and I had to get to work on posts. But then I was wondering, I said, how long until uh, Mark talks himself into this trade? <laughs> Turned out it was 22 minutes. I counted. <laughs> on Twitter. Well, hold on. Let me, let's back the truck up. Because Give him I the think, floor. Wait, Give him I the think floor. what Wes pointed out, I don't disagree with anything he said about Trent Richardson, who I think is a foundation back. He's going to fit in really well for the Colts. And I think that for the next month or so, or even longer, this is going to be a really rough time for Cleveland's fan base and the front office because you're going to see Trent Richardson just doing exactly what Indianapolis traded him for. As opposed to the last 20 years being rough. You are a factory of sadness! (laughs) No, I I think this is a... A ten pole moment in terms of being an ugly, an ugly time for Browns fan because it's September twentieth and they've mailed in the season. I don't, you can't put it any way. They've mailed in the season, but I do think that it's a trade that ultimately may work to some degree for both teams. It's not just an it, Cleveland's last front office would have done this trade for a third and fourth round pick. Cleveland got a first round pick when that value was offered to them. I can't kill them on that if they vision-wise turn around and get the quarterback that they haven't had in 25 years, if it leads to that through many channels, you can argue me up and down. I, I don't necessarily love the trade, but I think that this is an issue where people are looking at the Browns and taking a look at four or five different front offices that made a series of big blunders, and in some cases bleeding it all into one magic issue. And it's like, this front office is not last, the last front office. Why are you sticking up for this front office? I'm not sticking up for them. It's you just are. Like, I, I, I wouldn't blame a fan for bleeding all those front offices into one. You, you've been told, 
We but that, that we, just wouldn't be rational. That's that's the issue. It is rational because here's why. You've been told as a fan base, we traded Julio Jones a difference maker because we believe we can get Greg Little, who is just as good as him, with the 59th overall pick. Two years later, they benched Greg Little on the same day they traded Trent Richardson, and they said, Brandon Whedon, the number 22 overall pick, who they said was the quarterback of the future, you're now also being told he could lose his job to a guy who nobody else in the NFL wanted, Brian Hoyer. Well, So the message has gone from Whedon is your future, Greg Little is every bit as good as Julio Jones, <laughs> because we have a new front office in here, we're supposed to believe they know what they're doing. I'd be tired of hearing year after year, regime after regime, just have faith in us, when I'm not sure any of these guys know what they're doing. And here's, here's Mike Holmgren, by the way, uh, when we talk about the prior regime, his quotes yesterday to a Seattle radio station about the trade. I struggled with it philosophically. If I'm the coach and someone came in anywhere and did that, I'd say, okay, fire me or I'm going to quit. Or we're going to both go into the owner and talk about this and then we'll see who's still standing. Now, I don't, I'm not getting behind Mike Holmgren, who was a abject that, disaster in that's Cleveland. That's the best defense of the trade you could possibly make, <laughs> that Mike Holmgren disagrees with it because no one did a worse job in the front office over the last few years, and I feel bad for Browns fans. I don't think you can punish this group because of it, and it comes back to Trent Richardson. If Trent Richardson is a top-five special back, it's a bad trade. Otherwise, it's just a running back, and if he was coming out in the draft again, he wouldn't be taken number third because he's bigger. He's had some injury troubles. He's gained more weight. He's not quite as explosive. Maybe he will be great. I think different scouts, different people will will disagree. But I don't know that he's a difference maker. I mean, one I one quick thing: like we, this front office is the one that's come in and said the past one went four draft picks in a trade to move up one spot to get Richardson. This front office is saying flat out, we never would have done that. We don't agree with that kind of wheeling and dealing. Secondly, we never would have used the 22nd pick in the draft to take Brandon Whedon, a quarterback that roundly is dismissed as a non-entity. So we can't kill... Thirdly, we never would have taken Josh Gordon in a supplemental draft. And fourthly, they wouldn't have taken the right tackle either. They have concerns about him, too. (laughs) So, I mean, I guess it's just... We can't argue one against the other. I think this front office... I feel like you're giving them the benefit of the doubt that they haven't earned... How much? I, well, I'm not completely flaming them when actually the front, the free agent moves they made in the past season are their most productive players right now. Their p- top pick, Mingo, looks good out of the gate. More time is needed. I'm not going to crucify them based on the fact that the franchise in general has been a mess long before they got there. Let, let's move on to this year's Colts team and Richardson. Is is Trent Richardson worth? How many wins compared to Vic Ballard as your starting running back? Is he worth any wins? Is he worth one win? Do we think he well, makes that big a difference? Well, this is much ado about nothing, all this discussion, if we think he won't be worth anything. I, but, but is he? I don't know that. I don't know how you calculate wins for a you running back. You know what back. I mean. I mean, is he going to be a much better player? Than I, bel- I believe he will. Does he make their offense a lot better? I think he does. And that was already an offense with a lot of potential. I think this was a slam dunk for the Colts. Pep Hamilton wants to run a power scheme, and, and Richardson's the perfect back for that. He's a much more talented guy than Vic Ballard. We, we yes. should definitely yes. uh, get onto the games themselves, but I want to give Mark the last word on this because this is <laughs> such a monumental moment in the franchise's recent history. I'd, I'd really think for the Colts, it's a successful move. They got a classy player who I think is a, a one of the difference makers at running back potentially. For Cleveland, it's more wait and see. It's a little too early to judge, but there's a, if they fail, it's going to be the, a move that will not be forgotten for decades in Cleveland. 
All right, Wes, Colts 49ers. Let's talk about the game. Well, Richardson expects to play and play a lot, Ed Werder of ESPN reported. So I, I think still, I mean, that's a tough matchup. Your first match, your first game you're going against, the, you know, one of the best front sevens in the NFL. 49ers are coming off that big loss to Seattle. I feel like there'll be some revenge factor there. Um, I, I would say the 49ers are the favorite in this game, pretty heavy favorite. It really stuck out to me how the Colts protected Andrew Luck well against Miami last week when they're rushing four. In the last quarter and a half, Kevin Coyle and that defensive uh, front for Miami unleashed an array of blitzes, and in Indianapolis had no answer for it. I don't know if it was Luck not recognizing it, the young offensive line, there's a new guy in there, and I'm thinking Vic Fangio has to be watching this, and they're going to throw a lot at Luck and this line. I think it's going to be tough for them to move the ball. I think the Colts are, just like I thought last week, the Redskins had a bad draw going into Green Bay. I think San Francisco coming off that embarrassing loss. I think the Colts are going into a buzzsaw here, and I think uh, you know they're going to get beat pretty handily. All right, let's move on. Uh, Green Bay, speaking of the Packers, they are going to Cincinnati. This is a good game. This might be my favorite game of the week. Mark Sessler is going to tell us about it. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually take a moment here to uh, – Call Moment the, of silence for the Browns? No. Oh. I'm off the Browns. We've, we've moved on to the rest of the league. It is. I find the Cincinnati Bengals a hard watch. They are, for me, and I think it starts right at the quarterback position, one of the more boring football teams on offense. I see hope, obviously, in the new players that they brought in. They desperately needed that, and, and we'll see how that goes. But when people talk about this being a shootout, and I've heard that thrown around our newsroom a few times. That, to me, is ridiculous. Yeah. This is a game. Now, you know, a podcast ago, I predicted a, a, a showering of points that did not go my way. <laughs> I don't see a team that can keep up with the Packers. Green Bay on offense is playing on all cylinders right now. Jordy Nelson looks fantastic. Aaron Rodgers, flawless, is getting the ball out so quick that I'm not sure since he's D-line, which is their one big strength, will make the difference it would against another quarterback. I don't like this game for Cincinnati on any level. Greg, you put it the best, I thought, on Twitter on Monday night. Uh, Andy Dalton looks like the same guy he looked like when he came into the league. Like, is, I mean, did he just come ready-made for the NFL and that's all he's ever going to be? He's one of those low-ceiling type of guys, I think. You know, it's a bad combination. He's not accurate, really. He's very streaky with his accuracy, and he doesn't have a big arm. So that's, that's a tough one-two punch to overcome. I think they're a fun team to watch in the sense that Jay Gruden can do a lot of different things, but I don't think he has the quarterback for it. I think when you don't have easy gas for your arm strength, your accuracy suffers down the field because you're pushing the ball, and I think that's his problem. I think, you know, we've heard a comparison to Matt Ryan, who I believe is much more accurate than than Andy Dalton, and Matt Ryan's arm has gotten stronger the last couple of years. I still look at a team, and I understand that they're, they're kind of slow-baking these new parts into the offense, but it feels like when Dalton to A.J. Green is not two or three times a home-run proposition for the Bengals, that they run out of ideas. And I, I like Jay Gruden, too, but more in theory than what I've seen in big moments because it's not just the two playoff games where they completely, completely went to sleep. It's just for stretches of the season— the Bengals don't seem to have something about their offense that guarantees that the talent is going to play up to its potential week to week. And Eddie Lacy is out is officially questionable for this game, but he didn't practice all week, so we'll see James Starks again. I thought Starks ran really well. That could be something where they wanted it to be a one-two punch uh, with Lacy 
and uh, Harris, but now I think it's going to be you know, Lacey and Starks could, could split the work. And we won't get bogged down with giving you all our different picks for these games, but if you go to the Around the League blog, uh, we have all our picks for the week as we do every week. Uh, let's move on. Greg, uh, the Atlanta Falcons, another good game. I like this one. Maybe, you know, maybe it's a better week than I thought. How about that? <laughs> it about is that? a good week. Atlanta Falcons, they go to Miami. The upstart Dolphins. Brent Grimes' is revenge. I mean, Grimes. That will put the fans in the seats. Yeah. Brent Grimes and Rashad Jones might be the most fun cornerback safety combo in the league that I've watched so far, far this year. Because they're, they're not the biggest guys in the world, but they are both just flying around. Grimes is so good at closing on plays and recognizing. Jones is like a younger Palomalu. I mean, maybe not that level, but it, just that he can do so many things. Jared Odrick's playing really well. Randy Starks is playing really well. You have Cameron Wake. I think it's a really good defense, and you're catching the Falcons at the perfect time. They just lost Coy Bierman and Sean Weatherspoon. You know, Weatherspoon's probably their best defensive player, uh, and I, I think Miami's catching them at the perfect time. Giappio Bartu. That's the name of the guy. God bless you. Re- replacing <laughs> Sean Weatherspoon, and he played really well last week. Um, so we'll see. I, I, think, I think you're right that they are facing the Falcons at the right time, and they match up well as far as their ferocious pass rush going against an offensive line that can't protect Matt Ryan. Um, I think the matchup I want to watch is Julio Jones, apparently our, our buddy Evan Silva at Rotowill tells us, Nolan Carroll will probably play that side of the field, not Brent Grimes. So that will be something for the Falcons to exploit. He did a good job on Reggie Wayne last week, but Reggie Wayne is no uh, no Julio, Julio Jones. Jones. You know, no quarterback's been knocked down. and hit, uh, Tannehill's been roughed up early. Nine sacks on him. Only Whedon's been sacked more times. This is a game where he's probably not going to see the pressure he saw in the first two. And Atlanta obviously struggling to rush the passer. That, for me, suggests that maybe Mike Wallace, uh, who had a nice game last time, has a good chance here to make some, do some damage on Atlanta. Big game for Ryan Tannehill. This would be a huge win for Miami well, and I, a big loss for Atlanta. And I, I really think, uh, you know, Greg, you, you could barely contain yourself with your excitement for Tannehill on Monday. But let's let's face it here. If he has a big game and everything is set up for it to happen and they beat a, Fal- a Falcons team and they, they move to 3-0, and if you want to put Ryan Tannehill in that group of <laughs> up-and-coming QBs, you, you basically have a little ammunition to start that bandwagon. I can feel the buzz in the room. It's <laughs> buzzing. The Tannehill. I've been talking about it's it for about it. a year. It's happening. Yeah. Um, Greg's up out of his seat again. He is. That's always fun <laughs> when that happens. This isn't going to work out well for you. Um, all right. Let's move on. Chicago Bears. Oh, man. Speaking of Greg, not to take the wind out of your sails, but Chicago Bears, they are heading to Pittsburgh to face uh, the Steelers and Greg's MVP pick, Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> this, this is – we talked about it on Wednesday. We'll touch, touch on this game, but you can't, you can't emphasize it enough that the Steelers – you know they need this game. Oh, and three, they're finished. I don't. I just don't imagine that a Tomlin Big Ben team ever starts zero three. But I guess everyone has bad seasons, so I understand why a lot of people would pick the Bears. But you got to think if the Steelers have anything in the tank here, they're going to defend their home field on Sunday. I look at the. I look at Chicago and I see just a much more talented football team right now. I, you know, this is a game that I think Jay Cutler under Lovey Smith goes in and loses in past seasons. I am, uh, if he's on the Tannehill bandwagon, I'm on that Mark Tressman bandwagon. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I see are. Chicago rolling in and taking care of business. I think that they, you know, with each week, Cutler looks a little bit more comfortable in that offense. Uh, you know, Brandon Marshall, was he 
he injured during practice or something like that, I believe? Yeah, he should. He, they expect him to play. They're, they're healthy enough. But that defense, too, I mean, that's an opportunistic defense. And Pittsburgh, really, what have they shown us that says, hey, we're about to move the ball or score some points? This hurts me to say. My most reviled NFL player of the past half decade is Jay Cutler. I don't like anything about him. <laughs> what about his wife? I, I don't even know who she is. I know she's supposed <laughs> to be some TV star. I he don't watch any of this. I know she's supposed to be some sort of TV yeah, star. Yeah, whatever. She's in some modern-day soap opera, and, you know, I don't know who she is. Wesley knows this. When, you know, when we first met years and years ago, <laughs> Tannehill is my new kind of quarterback. Cutler was my original Tannehill. I've been driving that bandwagon, and it is nice to see him playing well, well in a system that I just him. I just like that Kristen Cavallari exists only in theory to us. <laughs> <laughs> She's supposed she to be it's the best way it is. She seems it, to me like is. the exact kind of girl that would end up with Jay Cutler. That's all I know. <laughs> That's about. actually exactly accurate. All yeah. right, go on. Sorry. So anyway, this this is painful, but I believe right now Jay Cutler is one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the NFL. I love his footwork. Tressman has worked miracles with him. He actually has fundamentals and mechanics now. <laughs> and he's throwing some of the prettiest passes I've seen all year. He's always thrown pretty passes, so now he's not throwing in those wacky you know, plays where he's trying to improvise. and Well, and he had a off. fumble six last week, and I didn't even think it was really his fault. Like, I, these things happen, you know, but in the past I would have rolled my eyes and said, there goes Cutler again. I we're also seeing him being protected for the first time ever in Chicago. Well, and he's getting the ball out of his hands, which is a big part of it. A lot of what Tressman's doing is working perfectly. Devin Hester... I, it was maybe the biggest factor in that game last week. If you other like kickoff returns, that was your game it's to a crazy watch. Game. I'm just saying. I mean, they, he was probably the key to that game because of field position. Them taking him off offense, I don't know if he can keep that going, but it was a huge difference. He was electric, and then, you know, it was like the answer to Cordero opening the game with a kickoff return touchdown. Okay, so let's let's move on to our Defend Your Hero segment. Uh, K. Rich, behind the glass, we do. I think we're going to need some type of theme for this eventually. I don't know, defend your hero. It's almost like maybe something medieval times esque, like a knight like coming in to defend his lass. That's Did fitting. They, was that a term that was used then? A lass, yes. I don't know. What do you think, Rich? I think it's coming. I think you guys will be very pleased. She's still mad. <laughs> She's still mad. We haven't given her the drops for. She's this mad. No one's commented. It. I feel like you've done your hair differently today. I like it. It's a little sleeker. Sharp. Wow, well, look at that. A guy noticing when a girl changes a. her hair. And Merry Christmas. I saw your shirt, too. Oh, thank you. I'm more <laughs> upset about my Eagles losing, but we can talk about that. that oh, that makes sense. K-Rich is a chameleon when it comes to the hairstyles. I feel like it's a different one almost every day of the week. She's oh, now you're trying to be like Greg and notice. <laughs> I didn't know we, had, we were going to talk about it, I but since it came up. You have kind of an Alicia Keys look going today. I like it. Funny. My dad says the same thing. Really? Papa Rich. <laughs> Man. All right. This is a lot of good information there. Um, all right. Defend your hero. So we'll work on the theme music. We'll start with, I think, did we all have hero picks this week? No, I do not have one. Oh, sorry, Wes. Yeah. But you can just hang out if you want. I wasted mine last week. <laughs> uh, Mark Cecil. You also don't have one for the season. I think you're the only well, person. Well, how about I let Wes... Defend why I picked the Colts as my hero pick. Why? <laughs> why don't you defend that? I can't because I don't remember why I picked them. But I do. I do. Uh, I like the addition of Trent Richardson, which happened after did I made this pick. Did we talk about that? We did. Oh, okay. I I think that Andrew Luck needs to have one of those games where it's like, whoa, he just did what? That's what's going to happen on Sunday. All right. What about your other hero pick, Mark? You have the uh, you have the Rams taking down the Cowboys. 
Yeah, I think that to me, I have the Cowboys winning the NFC East, but I also think they're going to win it at about 8-8. Eight and eight. And this is a classic <laughs> Cowboys loss where they're at home. Let's take care of business against a team that, frankly, should not be any better than we are, but I think actually is. Mm-hmm. I, uh, it just went with my gut. St. Louis is going to go 2-1 to start the I, season. I feel like that would be a really big win. I know the Cowboys lose games at home all the time, but that seems like it would be a nice win for the Rams to go on the road and take care of business against a team that's probably better than them or close to better than them. That would be a big win. I don't see it happening, but it would be big. <laughs> it's week three. I don't know. It, yeah. it would be the first win of any team in the NFC East out of the division if the Cowboys could win this game. I mean, the NFC East is 0-5. And uh, NFC I, East, more like NFC least. Hey now. I did that. I came up with that. The Rams, it's been pretty easy to move the ball on them, if you haven't noticed. Um, the Falcons, without Roddy White, basically, and without Steven Jackson, just kind of blew them out. You know, I don't. And the Cardinals did, too. I mean, in terms of moving the ball, a lot of heat for that defense over the offseason. And I, I don't know, after watching the Cowboys last week, now after seeing the Chiefs offense again, maybe I overrated how good the, the Cowboys defensive line but I killed Monty Kiffin uh, in hiring him a lot this offseason, and I think their defense looks pretty good, especially up front. One thing at West, you are right. Like The, the cornerbacks for the Rams missed a, a ton of tackles last week. That's going to have to change because Des Bryant, I think, may be the best receiver in football right now. Wow. Greg, you, you sat out the hero picks last week. It worked out. You went 13-3. and three. Can't, can't complain there. You're back in this week. You have the Chargers who I will never take, but you have the Chargers taking down the Titans. Well, I don't have many rules, but when you can get a hero pick potential going up against Jake Locker and Mike <laughs> Munchak, you got to take it. I mean, the San Diego Chargers have played really well two straight weeks. I mean, not great, but Phillip Rivers is looking like a quality quarterback again. Uh, I'm always looking for the better quarterback in the game. Who, What passing game I think is better. And I think the Chargers' defense hasn't been great, but they've been okay. They've played seven quarters of football. They were very close to being 2-0 and with two pretty solid wins. Tennessee, locker to me is a problem for them right now, and you don't have a great running game. There's not a lot to like about that offense. I feel like this was a coin flip game, and we all flipped tails, and you just happened to get heads. I agree. There were a lot of games like that this week. Somehow we all picked the, we all picked the Eagles. We all picked the Jets, which is insane. All right, we'll move on to my hero pick, which uh, I was actually pretty happy about this one. I got the Ravens at home against the Texans. I think they're going to take care of business at home uh, on Ed Reed's homecoming, in which he'll probably be wearing a track suit. Um, <laughs> I, I just feel good about this one. I, I don't think the, te- the Texans are 2-0, but I don't think they're necessarily playing that well. And, you know, the Ravens have a lot of question marks themselves. But, you know, I, I just see this as a game where they'll, they'll hold serve. No Ray Rice in this game, most likely. They're calling him a game-time decision. He didn't practice all week. They'll give him a, a shot, but generally you don't play if you don't practice. I week. trust in Bernard in Bernard Pierce we trust, as my running back rankings show this offseason. <laughs> I think Baltimore's done a nice job getting Marlon Brown into the program the last couple of weeks. He's got two touchdowns in two games. But listen, I mean, it's like with every new week, they seem to lose a, lose a new key individual and I watched that Ravens Browns game it was an ugly game and and really honestly Baltimore struggled to kind of figure out what it is they are on offense I still don't think they know I think it's the the parts prevent them from knowing and uh, you know Houston actually is much improved on offense after the emergence of DeAndre Hopkins I think they can score some points I don't like Baltimore in this football game it's another coin flip game though I I like 
if I were you, I'd be I'd be enjoying that hero pick potential. I'm looking forward to it. Um, <laughs> all right, now let's go through the orphans. These are the games that we did not profile as uh, as the top games of the week. They weren't involved with any hero picks. You know, they're just games, but it doesn't mean they're not fun to watch or something that doesn't deserve any time. So we're going to give it right now. Each of us will give a couple thoughts on a game, and then uh, we'll keep moving. The New York Giants. They're going to Carolina. Uh, Greg, I want you to tell us a little bit about that. You know, I'm not too much into the historical numbers, but there hasn't been an 0-3 team to make the playoffs since 1998. These are two teams with really high aspirations. I picked the Giants because the Panthers' secondary going into the season was, I thought, maybe the worst in the NFL, certainly among them. And since then, they've lost a couple of players. Everyone's injured, and I just trust Eli Manning and that passing game so much more than Cam Newton. I can just see them scoring 30 points, and I don't know if the Panthers are equipped to keep up with them right now. I think Ron Rivera is the first guy getting fired this year. Yeah, I think the loser of this game goes into tailspin mode for the rest of the season. Okay, let's move on. Cleveland at Minnesota. Uh, it's another game where we have an 0-2 team that basically needs to stay alive. Minnesota not looking too hot either. Mark Sessler, you want to tell us about this? I, I don't like the matchup here on any level of what it remains of Cleveland's offense against what I think is a, a pretty good Vikings defense at home. That that matchup doesn't work for me. And then you've got Adrian Peterson, who uh, with 193 yards in two games has gone into a mode this week where he said he was soul-searching. Uh-oh. He's not upset. a good sign for the Browns. He's angry. He went out into the desert for 40 days. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and this is a classic Cleveland Browns football game where Adrian Peterson's going to get real healthy. Uh, they've got a very good run defense, Cleveland. I don't want to overlook that, but Adrian Peterson at home in a must-win game for a team that went to the playoffs last year and feels disrespected, it doesn't add up. I have one real quick thing to say. We have killed Christian Ponder since the beginning of the preseason. I thought he played well last week, uh, and better than his numbers showed. So I just want to give him a little bit of credit. And He, he was better, but still made a key mistake to lose the game and he's not getting a lot of help. Greg Jennings does not look like a good signing. He had a ball in the open field at one point last year and I don't know if he's injured or something but he looked like he was in slow motion. Leslie Frazier said we will be getting Cordero Patterson more playing time. It was a mistake and he kind of blamed it on the other coaches and said this is something we will be doing. And one last thing about that game. Trent Richardson was traded to the Colts uh, this past week, so he's not on the Browns roster. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, Tampa Bay goes to New England. Oh, man. You know what? Uh, the Patriots. This is why I hate the Patriots. There's so many reasons why I don't like the Patriots, but everything always goes the Patriots' way. They're playing terrible. They get two rookie quarterbacks against bad teams. Now they have Tampa Bay, a team just in fire on fire from within. They're going to come in. It's going to be an absolute disaster. And the Pats, speaking of getting healthy, I think the Pats' offense will make some plays. Everybody will be excited. Then Gronk comes back. Oh, everything's so great for the Patriots. Well, hold on. I mean, Tampa's defense has been very solid, I think. Patriots have played arguably three straight pretty good defenses if we're thinking the Bills' defense looks pretty (laughs) good. I'm serious. Bills' defense looks much better. Than Tampa's? No, than their their own from last year. who, Who picked? Uh, the Buccaneers, because I was surprised multiple people Patra and I picked Tampa Bay. And wh- really? Why, yeah. why don't you trust huh. the Pats here? Again, I'm not, listen, I'm not going to overbake this. It was a feeling. <clears throat> oh, yeah. <laughs> I just think that, I think that New England uh, has struggled, struggled in general to, you know, kind of that young group has not fully there. I really like what I saw from Tampa's defense. I did go back and rewatch that game 
And their young linebackers, sensational. They got Darrell Revis against the Patriots, a team he hates. I like it. It's so weird to see in Football Outsiders rankings this week, the Patriots had the 27th best offense and the fourth best defense. It's way too early for these to matter, but it's just Re- crazy. And Revis, he hates the Patriots, but he also hates the Bucks. So that's he hates playing he zone defense is what he hates. <laughs> um, all right, Wes, you want to tell us a little bit about Cardinals going to the Superdome to play the Saints? Well, you have the Cardinals coming in to face this defense that I've been telling you guys is just ferocious. The Saints oh. defense is for real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, wait, what? <laughs> no, I... I I think the Saints have a pretty good matchup here. Larry Fitzgerald last week was basically playing on one leg. He was dragging his other leg behind him before he sat out most of the second half. And hamstrings just don't get better in a week when you're dragging the leg. So Arizona's going to be without its best offensive player. And I believe Mendenhall is going to play but hasn't practiced this week. So that's an issue there, too. I just The Saints just have too much firepower. And the Saints got some other good news this week. It looks like Mark Ingram is not going to play. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, they Don't are, shovel dirt on that man. That I'm might just, have been a mistake on draft day. I mean, it might have been a mistake to keep force-feeding him over Pierre Thomas and Darren Sproles. I think that's going to help him. You don't draft running backs in the first round. <laughs> unless, Especially from Alabama. Unless it's a really good one. Uh, Greg, Detroit Lions, they're going to Washington. Another team in desperate need of a win. The Redskins are 0-2. I was surprised uh, not more people picked Detroit. I, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not into uh, gambling, but we do make picks here. And if there's one pick I feel really good about this week, it is the Detroit Lions going on the road because I, I think that defensive line is great. We know about that. And I think the offense is better. Reggie Bush returned to practice on Friday. Matthew Stafford, we're talking about guys getting the ball out of his hands quickly. He's been doing that. I think their offense looks a little better this year. And just Washington's defense, just terrible. And RG3 is not quite ready. I just I like how this sets up. Once again, the Lions are the better team, just as they were last week right. and lost. <laughs> That's true. But Mike Shanahan wasn't coaching the Cardinals? I don't know. <laughs> All right. This next game, I don't think we need to spend too much time on it. But, uh, Mark, if you want to tell us a little bit about the Jaguars going to Seattle. Showdown. This reminds me of a game from 2010 when uh, – Eric Mangini brought a Cleveland team. Well, they hosted a New England Patriots team that had Peyton Hillis and Colt McCoy. And there's no reason and nothing about Cleveland that suggested they should win that game. And they body rocked New England. And it was, <laughs> Wait, and they went right back to their losing ways after it. New England didn't win a game all the rest of the season. And it was the fact that that entire coaching staff knew the Patriots so well. Offensive, defensive assistance. That might have played into it. Gus Bradley knows this Seattle defense. Yeah. Despite so, everything I just said, yeah. this is not going to go well <laughs> for Jacksonville. <laughs> Don't pull yourself trying to stretch. No, no, no. I mean, Gus Bradley knows his own offense, You too. do not have anything resembling a quarterback on that Jacksonville team. That's another team that they're going to... They're going to buy for that number one pick. They're not going to trade out of that position if they stand there at Are the, in April. Are you saying that Jacksonville will get body rocked? No. Yes, I will say that. That's. I'm saying this is not. This is what in best case scenario. It's that 2010 game that won't happen. Extreme body rocking. All right. Um, this game. Actually, Mark, you were more excited about this game downstairs than anybody else. Uh, Buffalo going to the Meadowlands to face the Jets. Um, you know, I think this is going to be a close game, I think. I think we're talking maybe 16-13, one of those. Wow, that's generous. Yeah, well, that, that like could nine, be generous. Six. <laughs> um, I'm very curious, as a Jets fan, I'm very curious to see um, how Geno Smith bounces back from a terrible fourth quarter 
in New England last week where he threw three picks and basically looked like the Geno Smith of week three of the preseason. See how he bounces back from that. On the other side, you have uh, the other rookie, E.J. Manuel, who is on top of the world right now. I see a close game. I mean, at home, I don't think I don't know if the Bills are ready to win games on the road, so I'm going to say the Jets, but uh, this could go either way. We all pick the Jets. That, That's weird. That strikes me as strange. Two defenses that are much better than people think and two quarterbacks that are getting way too much credit for how they've played. E.J. Manuel's been composed. I, there's nothing else about him that, that I've been impressed with. I just think he's getting way too much credit. I've been impressed with his coaching staff on right. both I sides of that. the ball. What an upgrade it's been for the Bills because they're very creative, putting Manuel into good positions, and on defense they're much better too. I agree. It's going to be a defensive game. Quinton Copels is back for the Jets, which I think could could help them. It's probably going to be like a defensive touchdown, return touchdown snacks. type of game. <laughs> yeah, it's all about snacks. I want to see snacks <laughs> rumbling with the ball. You know, real quick on the Jets, because I agree that Buffalo's done a really nice job giving Manuel an offense that he can run. It's simplified from what we'll probably see as he grows down the stretch of the season. But Marty Morningweg has done the opposite, I think, with Geno Smith. Right out of the gate, he got some real complex play calls and some reads that I just think Geno Smith, they need to pare this thing down and let him kind of adjust to his role. And they haven't done that. I don't think they've done a good job on offense. There have been some low percentage passes that they've asked him to throw, which he's not ready to do and certainly doesn't have the personnel either. Uh, Wes, why don't you close it out, the schedule for week three. Another kind of rough game. Oakland going to Denver. This is the uh, Emperor has no clothes game for the Raiders. You've been getting away with playing played the Jacksonville Jaguars and got way too much credit for it. Now you're going in to play the Broncos, and it's going to be ugly. But does the Emperor have softball pants? Will Chris Wessling eat his softball pants? That is the question. <laughs> wow. What a segue. Wow. Will Wes eat his softball pants? You know, all bets are off if somehow the Raiders get come out of this game with a win. You're nervous if that happens, If the right? Raiders come out of this game with a win, softball pants go directly into the marinade. Wow. <laughs> As they should. Let's face it. Yeah. Um, all right. So that that ends our podcast for today and for the week. We'll be back on Sunday night. Uh, you know, we talked about the energy, and I thought the energy was really good on Wednesday. A little lacking the previous Sunday show. So I'm thinking that we, you know, maybe we just amp it up, do a couple five hour uh, energy shots, <laughs> get pumped up, and come in on fire Sunday night. Whatever they shot I into like Lashawn McCoy's ankle last night, I'll be on that <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> He'll be literally bouncing off the yes. walls. Um, okay, so until then, uh, the mailman, the sizzler, the boss, and K. Rich behind the glass, and also Lyle. Have Andrew. a good one. We'll see you on Sunday. Even when people say they don't like something. <clears throat> yeah, well, he must. They yeah. like it. Even when people say they don't like something. They I'm like saying it. when they say they don't That's like it, attention <laughs> for making. <laughs> Dad, you don't like it, but I know you like I'm it. I'm saying don't you when like a reporter. <laughs> Is saying that they don't like attention for something they said? I I don't believe it. You are a factory of sadness! You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. 
From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.